Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Tom Dorian. Yes, you are. Sidekick. Thank you. Yes. Wingman. I'm so glad you're my wingman. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad you're here. I am too, man. I almost didn't make it. Why didn't you make it? this bad cold. You think you sound good, I'm glad you have a nice guest today because she needs to talk, not me. Yeah. Well, you bet you don't sound bad. Well, thank you. You, you look I'm, bad, I'm sure but, look that's, bad, but that's that's, that's, that's why know, there's radio. The old face for radio there you expression. Go. I'm comfortable with that. Well, I'll tell you, our, our guest is is neat because uh, we we every once in a while here on this show we talk about uh, the Utes, the Utes, yeah, the youth, uh, and we Love talk about term. the future of the church. And a lot of people can get um, a little, I don't know, they get a little worried about the church, and they look out sometimes in the pews, and they and they start to realize that it's getting sort of. Uh, the average age is going up in some places, and you, and you, you know, all the gray hair folks, of which I have gray hair, so I love beats the gray no hair. hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> beats nowhere. But, you know, to be able to be involved in something that uh, looks like a really cool movement in the church uh, is awesome. And so we it thought is. we'd bring uh, this lovely young lady here with us to talk to uh, us about the future of the church. Great. And herself. This this is Zoe Myers. Hi, Zoe. Hello. Welcome to the Luxurious Corner Booth of the Catholic Cafe. Great. Thanks for having me. Well, Zoe, you're involved in a group called FOCUS. Yes. Which stands for Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Yes, sir. And so, don't call me sir. Yes, sir. I like that. Call Keep me, calling him sir. No, like your holiness is something I like to answer to. <laughs> Just I don't kidding. think I don't think Grand you have Deacon. all those faculties. Yeah, I'm, I'm missing a few. I'm missing the pointy hat and the stick and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, Zoe, I'm glad you're here. And uh, you know, you were involved in this focus group, which is a really uh, it's a, a nice big organization in the world that's focused on, I guess, to. Pun intended. Yeah. Focus. Just, is, there's going to be a lot of puns, people, so. It's okay. We just have to move on. We'll go with the yeah, puns. Yeah, not acknowledge them, because we'll be here all day. Should we ring a bell every time there's a pun said, <laughs> and then, like an angel gets its wings or something? I don't know. But, so, we, I was just, um, and uh, Tom, you've been to one of these before, I and have. I just went to a Seek conference that's put on by Focus, uh, and it was in San Antonio, and it was, an, uh, it was an amazing adventure on my part. It was so much fun to see so many college-age folks that love Jesus, and we're sort of like living that out in this uh, this experience. Uh, this, uh, you know, it's a, a conference, you know, and there's lots of bad conferences in the world, you know. But this was a good conference, and it was a, and it was a, something that I thought, you know, every adult, every adult Catholic in the world needs to kind of go and just at least peek their heads in the door, You're right? Because it'll give them a sense of hope. Uh, but Zoe, I guess you're involved in Focus. How long have you been in? Are you what? Are, what is your involvement in Focus? What would you call yourself? Great. Yeah. So you I call yourself great. Great. So they're very <laughs> humble people. <laughs> Magnanimous. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, no, I am a team director. So a team I've director served of what? on so, of a focus team. So I've served on campus for three years. Um, my first year, I was at the University of Tulsa. So you're actually a missionary. You yes. actually yes. go out into the mission field, as it were, and that mission field is college campuses. Yes. And you're so your team director, so you uh, um, you lorded over them. Mm-hmm. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. You're probably the most humble, uh, wonderful team director that there ever was. Oh well, focus. I I don't know about that. I know some pretty great ones. Well, we're going to have some of your uh, team on on this radio program, <laughs> oh, so man. we're going to find out what they think of you. 
I'm sure it's going to be good. Hopefully. <laughs> I'll edit out if it's bad. I'll just Perfect. cut it out. You know, because we like Zoe. I'm slowly pushing $20 across the table. <laughs> there we go. So it's wise radio. People can't see the bride. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, Zoe, w- w- just in a nutshell, what do you do on a campus? What is the whole point of, of a focus team of missionaries being on a campus? Yeah. So, um, kind of the name of our game is spiritual multiplication. So everything that we do should look or should point back to that. So spiritual multiplication um, is a name that has been given to the model that Jesus used during his ministry. Um, And so he... Um, yeah, he loved everyone that he met, obviously, right. healed a lot of people, spoke and preached to a lot of people, but there were 12 that he, um, 12 that he loved in particular that he called to come follow him. So the 12 apostles. And then within that, there were three, Peter, James, and John. They were close to him in the garden. They went up the mountain during the transfiguration and he particularly invested in them and showed them, um, very specific things about why he was on earth. And so as a focused missionary, um, and all focused missionaries, we go onto the college campus. We love everyone that we meet, um, but we are yeah trying to find people who are responding to the call in a particular way, and we ask them to join Bible study. So we, after we've won them over in friendship, um, we start begin to build them up in a small group Bible study, which has usually three to twelve members, um, and then people who are particularly again responding to that call and. Um, have built their own relationship with Christ and desire to evangelize their peers, we ask into discipleship, which is one-on-one mentorship where we coach students to start their own Bible studies and then disciple their own. And so the so, multiplication part comes when when you reach that point where those people then will then go out exactly. and do the same thing. Exactly. So the whole um, idea is that we are launching college students onto lifelong Catholic mission. So that focus isn't just a cool club that you join for four years. You might be in a Bible study. You might go to mass on Sunday, but that um, you actually are equipped to go into whatever parish, whatever mission field the Lord puts you on, um, and you're able to truly evangelize, and not just that, but to walk with your peers, not just to tell them about Jesus, but through your own intimate relationship with him, you're able to inspire inspire that in other people, teach them how to have intimacy with our Lord so that they can then go out and do the same thing. Wow. Tom, it's like she knows everything Man. about this whole deal. And, <laughs> how and old are you? 24. Golly. <laughs> trying to think of what I was doing at 24. Deacon you Joe. don't want to know what I was doing. <laughs> it was, was not, not good. And so, and so many of the college age folk are doing those same things. And that's why this is so yeah. neat that when you move into, you essentially into that mission field. Uh, that you use these small groups um, uh, as an opportunity for people to, to know Jesus. And that's what's so cool about this. It's not just like if you memorize these Bible verses, if you learn these catchphrases, if you say this prayer, all of a sudden everything's good and everything's golden. Right. It's about a lived experience. And that's that's uh, that's really powerful because that, that helps me understand that uh, um, you know, Focus has been around for 20 years apparently, and uh, it's going to be around for at least another 20 years unless the Lord comes sooner than that i don't know but uh uh but wouldn't the, it wouldn't be the worst thing <laughs> yeah it wouldn't be the worst exactly right hopefully uh, we all go to heaven <laughs> I know, well that's what we're praying for right yeah. uh and so that part's awesome I, and i love the fact that you this whole spiritual multiplication i didn't know the uh the catchphrase or the exactly the coined yep. term mm-hmm. as it were the buzzword but at the same time you stop and think well that's exactly what what the father did with the chosen people of israel exactly right he, he could have revealed himself uh starting with the entire world 
and yet he he chose this small little band of Jews, the Israelites. He said, I, "I this you are my chosen people, right? How beautiful that is!" So you do the same thing. You 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 get in this little group of people, and then I guess at the end of that process, it's sort of like an like send people out the door. As it were. Exactly. And on, on the college campus, that naturally happens when they graduate and they go into the parish. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, wherever I end up in, in my parish, I'll be doing the same thing with my peers, um, teaching teaching them how to pray and teaching them that intimacy, teaching them how to lead Bible study, right. and then hope that they do the same thing and challenge them to do the same thing. But it's all rooted in authentic friendship and um, just like a really... Yeah, really clear vision for what, like, the model that Jesus used when right. he was and on I, earth. I don't want to pass over things that we just accept when we hear coin phrases again, like authentic friendship. Right. We need to stop for a second and say, that is the key to its success, I think, because, yeah. it, because it's real. Because, exactly. Because these, these, uh, these young folks are realizing that, hey, you're like the real deal. You don't, you're just not trying to have me check off boxes so that you can re- send some report back to some corporate entity to say that you saved X number of souls or you whatever, but you really invest yourselves individually in other human beings. And then you have a, f- you become friends. Yeah. And I think that's, that's beautiful uh, yeah, because that's it's hard. It makes it a little bit harder. <laughs> well, it, it does. But, yeah. but I think that, 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 that the relationship is a lot stronger when it's oh, authentic, obviously, mm-hmm. right? It certainly makes sense. And, and you know, and you, this is such an important age. Um, I was looking on the, uh, the Focus website, and that's uh, focus.org for anybody who's interested in finding out more about the organization itself. But on the Focus website, it talks about a couple of kind of like it says the urgency or sort of the crisis state we are in with our young folks, especially our young Catholics on uh, college campuses. And it talks about... Um, you know, of those who leave the faith, eighty percent of them leave by the age twenty-three. So yeah, I actually think college. that might be. It's uh, in the nineties now. Yeah, I think that that might be a little because low. we're trending. Mm-hmm. We're trending now. It's like because I tell people regularly. I've read the research that says that when you enter college, ninety percent of kids that entered with a faith will lose that faith before they leave. Yep. That college campus, and that's scary, right? Uh, and then there's another statistic that says only thirty percent of people who were raised Catholic remain Catholic. Yeah, the uh, second largest denomination in the United States is former, falling away Catholics. Yeah, former Catholics. <laughs> it's true. It's Catholics and then former Catholics. And so the mm-hmm. idea that we have to do something is, I mean, that's that's obvious. Right. And again, we've had shows about, uh, uh, there's a great book called Divine Renovation by Father James Mallon that I've read. It changed my life in terms of my perspective and understanding about what the church's mission is right now and how it needs to change. Uh, and this idea that we we've we've got to do something now, we've got to change the way we're doing things because the, the the old methods aren't working. And of course, the new evangelization is all about new methods, right? New ardor. And uh, John Paul II was, um, you know, I think inspired. Yeah, like the Holy Spirit or something, <laughs> yeah. right? Must have been something like that. Yeah. Maybe that's what we call him, Saint John Paul II. Uh, and so, Zoe, um, this is all interesting, and we're talking about uh, with Zoe Myers, who is a focused focus missionary and a team leader here. Uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and uh, we're, we're going to talk more with Zoe about maybe just about Zoe when we come back. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home: got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. So if you want to find out more about us, our mission, our ministry, go to thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd like to hear from you. Send me an email: Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back.
I'm Bess Drzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history. Isabel Flores de Oliva was born to a large family in Lima, Peru in 1586. Even as a child, her holiness was apparent. It is said that a servant of the household once saw her face transformed into the likeness of a rose, hence her nickname, Rosa. At her confirmation at age 11, she took the name Rose. St. Rose knew at a very young age that God was calling her. Even as a teenager, she devoted herself to prayer and gave up many of the comforts of life in order to unite herself more fully to the suffering of Christ. Having read a biography of St. Catherine of Siena, she began to take her life of self-denial more and more seriously, even to the objections of her parents and friends. She first fasted three times a week, then offered a daily fast. This led her to abstain from meat and perpetuity. When she began to be admired for her beauty and devotion, she cut off her hair. If ever she doubted her path of suffering and self-denial, she was encouraged by visions, revelations, visitations, and comforting voices. She received the Eucharist daily, deriving from the Blessed Sacrament the grace and consolation to carry on. At the age of 20, St. Rose took a vow of virginity and joined the Dominicans. With permission of her order, she moved into a small grotto built in her parents' garden and lived there in a spirit of prayer and penance. While St. Rose spent much time in prayer, she still found time for acts of charity. She sought out the sick, the poor, and the forgotten in her community and brought them to her home to care for them. St. Rose never lost sight of the power and effectiveness of self-denial when it was offered up to God. Her entire life was a testament to the total, self-giving love demonstrated by Jesus' willingness to suffer for our sins. She wrote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up His voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. Let men take care not to be stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise, and without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. St. Rose of Lima died in 1617 and was the first person born in the Americas to be canonized as a Catholic saint. Her feast day is August 23rd. I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and sitting here talking with Tom Dorian, of course, always here with us, but uh, Zoe Myers, who's a focus missionary in Memphis, Tennessee, at the University of Memphis. Go Tigers, go. Yeah. Yeah, Go Tigers. Tom is a former Tiger. I'm a former Tiger. He actually played on the football team. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, long offensive lineman. Time, I guess. See awesome. how flat the t- front of his face and yeah. head are? That's how many times they he had, had to hit. just discovered dirt. <laughs> <laughs> it was that long ago. It's been a while. Uh, so, Zoe, uh, we talked a little bit in that previous segment about uh, focus and about the mission and about the about the church, about young people. Uh, now I kind of want to ask you, like, where like, where did you come from? Wow. But just um, like, what was your life like? You're making as her a, nervous, man. As, no, it's yeah. okay. As a young lady, I mean, are you were you always a good Catholic? I'll just ask that question. Um, 
for a couple of years, no, and I knew that I wasn't. But for a lot of my life, I thought that I was. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So lots. We're going to unpack that. Perfect. <laughs> for a few years. So what, what years would you've considered those? Um, my first two years of college. I like to call them my pagan days. My okay. pagan days. Right. And a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people do that. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of pagan gods running around yeah. on a college campus that people follow. Yep. Uh, but where you thought you were a pretty good girl, kind of a thing, which I mean, I think a lot of Catholics think if they go to mass every Sunday, right. even though they hated it, and it's like their mom made them go. Or whatever, uh, but the thing like, well, I guess I was a pretty good Catholic, yep, right, and so, so you would say that you, you so you were Catholic all your life, yeah. So, um, yeah, my mom became Catholic before she married my dad. My okay. dad is a lifelong Catholic, um, and they yeah always knew that they were going to raise their children Catholic. Okay, um, kind of the the little twist um, for my life was that my uncle, my dad's oldest brother, was actually the bishop of my home diocese until I was nine. Um, And so, and I went to Catholic school. And so that just added like a really kind of weird weird dynamic where every I have the same last name of the bishop he looks like my dad he's a big headed Irishman (laughs) both of them Um, and so yeah and so we everyone knew who I was and that um, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know any different than that but it really did influence me because I thought that being a good Catholic um, meant like I got A's on my all of my theology mm-hmm. the only test I ever cheated on in grade school was a theology test because I was right. so nervous about not getting an hey, A on it hey if you're going to cheat cheat right. to get into heaven right. that's you know perfect exactly because that's how it works get A's in theology you get into heaven now um, but that's kind of what I thought I was like oh if I know a lot about God um, and if I know a lot about God then that then that's like well good. because you had this relationship with a bishop did, right. that, did that actually cause you also to make sure that there was no big scandal in your life? Did Not really. You weren't painted honestly. With the... <laughs> honestly. Wow. Yeah, because when I got so, I mean, honestly, I'm, a lot of people can relate to this. Right. Of just like going through Catholic school, I had really great theology teachers, really great formation, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so I sought that relationship with, from men from because I was made for a relationship with a man. Right. Um, but I just tried to, um, yeah, put a human... He, Fully human man, only human because man men were accessible, especially in college, weren't they? Right. Well, and I actually, so I started dating. Um, I seriously dated someone for three years, from sixteen to nineteen. Oh, um, yeah, and started my junior Your year. Your parents high let you date it seriously at sixteen? Yeah, they didn't wow. really. They actually were very smart because th- remember, I have a I right. Have you nine, have nine children, and so I got two little girls. My oldest is a girl. She's twenty. Okay. She's going on twenty-seven. Okay, and then I've got like a thirteen-year-old and a ten-year-old going right. on eleven. And the thing is. Where my wife and I are now, knowing knowing what we know now, you exactly. know the world we live in. It's like, well, when and, and and my wife is like, well, I don't know, maybe when she's thirty, she can start dating seriously. <laughs> when she <laughs> joins a cloistered convent, then yeah, she right. start dating. Yeah, right. no, whatever and, men she can find in the cloistered convent, right. she's allowed exactly. to date. Exactly, <laughs> Jesus, that's the best guy. Amen. Exactly. Um, so, and I think my parents were actually had a lot of wisdom um, because they knew that if they were if they. Um, put kind of guidelines or like ref- said that I couldn't see someone that I was going to do it anyways. And they would rather keep that line of communication open um, and let me make the mistakes that I was going to make. Um, and so it was really beautiful. And I think part of um, this, like, I don't know, for all the parents out there who you have to talk to your kids about sex, we're going right. to go there. Um, I knew that sex was beautiful because we learned about theology of the body. My parents were very open about the fact that it was a good thing. I never right. felt like I was dirty like or was shameful or exactly. Thing, right. But the reality is that I, first of all, 
didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Second of all, I didn't know what it was actually made for. So there wasn't that depth of like, it was just a lot of rules of like, you can't do this. You shouldn't do that. Not why, not why we save sex for marriage, right. not what, what that points to about our creator. That's beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's now, taken obviously a lot of prayer, to, like, Tony, <laughs> a lot of prayer you, to figure that out. But you look at Zoe and you see this big light bulb. It's on over her head right now. Oh, and there I was know. now you, so you know a lot about what you were thinking back then, but you didn't know this stuff back then. Right. At what point in your life did the light bulb come on? How did when how I did started you... praying every day? Wow! <laughs> wow! It's but, crazy. But now, wait a second. Why did you start praying every day? Because most people don't just hey, I think today I'll start praying right. every day. Exactly. So I, um, my junior year of college, okay, back up just a tiny bit. My sophomore year of college, um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer, thyroid cancer. She's totally fine now. It's the type of cancer you want to get if you have to get cancer. Okay. Um, but it was a, re- a huge reality check for me, and I was still dating my boyfriend Adam, and we broke up a couple days before Christmas because he wouldn't come to mass with my family. I, I just, I didn't know why I thought that was important, but I was like, this is going right. to be, if he won't go to mass now, there's no way that it's going to happen when oh, we're no, married. Oh, no, you'll change him. So, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so we broke up and then I, I was kind of living, yeah, living as quote unquote, as a Catholic, going to mass on Sunday, I was in choir, all of that stuff, but I still partied real hard on the weekend. You were probably the only person to have ever done that, Tom. Right. Did you, yeah, did I you know, ever bump no into anybody one, else? Yeah. <laughs> the choir. So the much, I, I, you know. <laughs> It's just like, because I, 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 I don't want to belittle your story and say, well, oh. you know what? Everyone does that. Well, I did that. We, we So many, but I guess I want to let folks at home, people who are listening need to understand that this is so common. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I'm not special. I am, but not. That's okay. The human condition is the human condition. Um, and the reality is, is that just because everyone does it doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, right. Um, Thanks for saying crazy? that. <laughs> um, and just because that everyone does it doesn't mean that we should and doesn't mean that it should just be accepted as, right. oh, oh, I know that Jimmy's in college. He'll grow out of it. Well, he might not. He might right. be an alcoholic, might be a porn addict, and that's not okay. Right. Um, because... Anyways, I'm not going to go on a rant, yeah. but um, <laughs> you, stop myself. you can go on a rant on this show. It's perfectly okay. No, Just I'm not even going to go people there. Listening to your rant. Well, perfect. I'm not going to go there. If you want to hear more about that, you can email me at zoe.myers at focus.org. Um, but anyways, and so my junior year, I had really, really good friends. I was blessed with amazing friends from high school who they met the Lord really early and loved me, even though I was a disaster and I was in mortal sin all the time and all this stuff. That sounds a little like Jesus, doesn't it? Isn't it crazy? Yeah. They loved me really well. And my junior year, they invited me on a retreat um, that I couldn't say no to because I didn't have an excuse not to. It was Mm. during my spring break. Um, And during that time, so it was at Benedictine College. I didn't go there, but that's where I went on the retreat. And I knew most of the leaders who were speaking. Um, And they were these people, like these young people, my peers, who just had this joy and this fire um, that now I can identify. But at the time, I was just like, there's something about them that I want. And I don't, Mm -hmm. like, I just don't know what it is. And I just believed a lot of lies about... um, yeah, about who I was and what my identity right. was and that I was used, you know, used and that no, if a human man couldn't love me correctly, like how is Jesus going to love me? Right. And just all of these different things that again are not new. But you sensed in them a um, joy and a peace exactly, though, right? Exactly. You can, I, you can see it. And, um, and during their talks, they were giving their testimonies and they were 
like sharing what the Lord had done in their life. And a lot of them had dealt with like the same addictions, the same habits, these same sins that I, that I was struggling with and had struggled with. But the difference was, is that they knew that Jesus loved them anyways, and they decided to begin to pray and they decided to go to mass and receive the sacraments regardless of that fact that they were broken and sinners. Wow. I know, isn't it? It's revolutionary. A, but it's amazing because, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's so many people that, that are walking around with like blinders on going, must find joy, must find peace. Exactly. Right? Must be loved. And yet, you know, the, the cowboy song, looking for love in all the wrong places. I mean, we spend our lives looking for that peace. And usually it's like right in front of us, either either in relationships with other human beings or just a relationship through Jesus Christ and relating to other human beings, how how it's sitting right there. Uh, and then you, I guess you really realized that when you, when you encountered these folks? Yeah, well, so I encountered that, um, but then actually in adoration on that retreat, um, in Eucharistic adoration, I was, I think, probably praying, actually praying, not just saying a rosary or saying right. a Hail Mary, which is beautiful things, powerful prayers, not the same thing as having a relationship with Jesus, um, but actually talking to him for probably the first time in my life. And I just very, um, very deeply just heard not a voice from the heavens, but in my heart and in my, mm. in my mind that, um, Jesus saying to me, Zoe, you, yes, you're broken, but I love you anyways. And I just experienced this joy, um, and this peace that I was looking for. But deeper than that, I knew that it wasn't going to go away and that I had actually been there the whole time. And, but mm. what's so cool is I think you would realize you'd, maybe you would agree with me that even though you had that sense of peace and joy, didn't mean that your life was now going to be suddenly rosy, right? Exactly. You would never have any more challenges right. and problems because obviously you're a person that, I mean, you put yourself in the middle with, with with focus. You're like in the middle of all of this on the college campus with with other kids who experience that same thing. And you realize that sometimes life gets rough and yeah. there's tough stuff going on. But then again, you keep going back to this phrase: "Jesus loves you anyways." Mm-hmm. To quote Zoe Myers, "Wow, this is a great Jesus bumper himself. sticker." You know, <laughs> a good T-shirt. Yeah, that's that's so wonderful. And so you've gotten involved with focus where you put yourself. Uh, did you feel like a call, a sense of mission when you got involved with Focus? So I found out about Focus, again, through through my friend's involvement in Focus. But once I found out what what they did, more um, more than just the surface level, I knew that I was called to do it. It's not typical for a missionary to know and actually do it. There's usually a lot of fighting, yeah. um, fighting with yourself and with the Lord. But I was just deeply convicted of that, of that need. Um, and so I said yes. I'm so glad. And, you know, Tom and I are both glad that you said yes. Amen. How beautiful it is. That, that I think you're perfectly at home as a focused missionary. I don't know how much longer the Lord's going to use you for that. But anyone listening, uh, focus.org, if you want to find out more about the organization. Uh, Zoe, thanks for being a guest here. Thank you guys for having me. No problem. Let's ask Our Lady to wrap her mantle around us for her protection. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Amen. Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com, where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.